Greetings to you all in the precious name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. My name is Patty Scalzo, and I'd like to welcome you to Shir Jashub, a Bible study program brought to you by the Fellowship of Shir Jashub Christian Tabernacle in Madison, Connecticut. In today's program, my husband, Pastor Greg Scalzo, and I will be continuing our series on heavenly authority as we discuss how inherited blessings are no substitute for an individual's having their own personal relationship to God. Now, let's go into the study. Patty, in our last program, our listeners will remember that we looked at the blessings and curses that can come down through the generations, and we developed the next important principle in our Heavenly Authority series. That is, when a position of authority comes from an external or inherited blessing, the person who inherits that position must be certain to stand in the same faith as the originator. Otherwise, he will personally lose that position. And we looked at Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and saw how, because of their faith and humility and trust in what only God could accomplish, God blessed them and made great promises to them. And those blessings and promises passed on to their descendants. The nation of Israel became a blessed and chosen nation to whom the scriptures were given and the Messiah came. And yet we saw in our last study how the religious leaders and elders at the time of Jesus did not exhibit the faith of Abraham. They saw no need for repentance or the salvation in Messiah, but rather were absorbed in their self-pride. And the result was the destruction of their nation by Rome almost forty years later, and ultimately the loss of the land of Canaan. The nation as a whole lost its position, and to a large extent the blessing of Abraham even as they had had the protective hand of God pulled back centuries earlier when they were taken into captivity by the Assyrians and then the Babylonians. Concerning Messiah, Moses had cautioned them in Deuteronomy 18, verses 15 and 17 to 19, The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from your midst, from your brethren, him you shall hear. And the Lord said to me, I will raise up for them a prophet like you from among their brethren, and I will put my words in his mouth, and he shall speak to them all that I command him. And it shall be that whoever will not hear my words, which he speaks in my name, I will require it of him. But even though the nation at that time lost its blessed position, yet the promise of God stands and is still passed on. That's right. In the book of Romans, the Apostle Paul speaks of the great joy when the people of Israel accept Jesus as the Messiah. He says in chapter 11, verse 15, What will their acceptance be but life from the dead? And in verse 28 and 29 he declares, Concerning the election, they are beloved for the sake of the fathers. And we think of the patriarchs, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And then he says, for the gifts and the calling of God are irrevocable. God has promised it and it can't be changed. The blessings and prominence in God's plan will again be theirs as they walk as true children of Abraham. And even today we see how the promises of God to Abraham are irrevocable in the very miracle of the existence of the nation of Israel. How after 1900 years and against all odds and adversity, 
Not only do the Jewish people possess again the land of Canaan, but also the holy city of Jerusalem. But for those in Jesus' day who did not enter the faith of Abraham in Messiah, the promises were of no personal benefit and were lost. And Greg, there is a warning in all this for the Gentile churches. That's right. In many instances, children grow up in Christian homes and receive blessings because of their parents or grandparents, though they have never themselves entered into that same personal relationship with the Lord Jesus. They feel that whatever type of Christianity they have, it's enough, that they don't have to go any deeper, and so they are in danger of losing everything. Psalm 37 verse 25 says, I have been young and now am old, yet I have not seen the righteous forsaken, nor his descendants begging bread. He is ever merciful and lends, and his descendants are blessed. That's right, Patty. Because God loves us, when we serve him and do that which is right, when we demonstrate his mercy, he reciprocates and seals our children with his protection. The problem occurs when the children mistake that protection as a substitution for their own need to go before the Lord and enter into a like relationship. And you know, when you look at the history of God's dealings with the nation of Israel, you see how the actual manifestation of the loss of the blessing does not always happen immediately. That's right. Many times in the Old Testament they will go astray and God will warn them of punishment but it may be many years before that punishment actually happens. That's because God is patient, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. The problem is when the children do not recognize the reason for this patience and are unable to believe that their current blessed state can come to an end. But if they do not change their path and enter into the same faith as their parents, the blessings will indeed end, both in this world and most definitely and most importantly in the next. Greg, I think our country as a whole suffers from this denial. Certainly the United States, founded and built to a large extent by people who loved the Lord and believed in His Word, has been blessed like no other nation in history. And that blessing continues even to today when so much of our society has entered into moral decay and rejected the faith of their fathers. And while God holds back his hand of punishment, looking for our nation to repent, I think some are lulled into believing that the blessing will just automatically continue, no matter how twisted the nation might become. But ultimately, when those who receive the inherited blessing refuse to stand in the same faith as the originators, the blessing and position is lost, and that loss will ultimately be manifested. That is why it's so important for the people of the United States to turn back around to God. That's why it's so important that the ministries and churches of this great land, which send out the gospel of Jesus as a light to the whole world, continue their work. Otherwise, the blessings we are so confident of will most certainly end. And Greg, it is tragic when we realize how some Christian ministries and denominations who had great people of God as their founders have, over time, degenerated in their belief in the gospel to a point that would shock and wound their founders if they could be brought back to see what has developed. And you know, Patty, there are also some so-called Christians who are very similar to the religious leaders in Jesus' day. They are prideful in being Christians and wear Christianity as a badge of self-worth. Sometimes they don't even know the scriptures or what Christianity is all about. 
but they have pride in their church and they rest on the laurels of their denominations. They think that just being a member of that church saves them, and it does not. While the religious leaders pounded their chest and said, we are Abraham's descendants, these pound their chest and say, we are such and such, and you can fill in the appropriate Christian denomination. But true Christianity is really a confession of self-lack and of faith only in the Lord Jesus' ability. Paul gives a warning to Gentile believers in Romans chapter 11. In verse 13 he says, For I speak to you Gentiles, inasmuch as I am an apostle to the Gentiles, I magnify my ministry. And in verses 20 to 22 he continues, And you stand by faith, do not be haughty, but fear. For if God did not spare the natural branches, he may not spare you either. Therefore consider the goodness and severity of God on those who fell, severity, but toward you, goodness, if you continue in his goodness. Otherwise you also will be cut off. While you may inherit and walk in a blessing for a time, you cannot inherit a relationship with God. This is something you must enter into directly yourself, irrespective of your parents or grandparents or the church or denomination you might have been born into. Someone has said that God has no grandchildren, only children, and each must go to the Lord Jesus directly in humility and repentance and faith and be born again by his shed blood and through his Holy Spirit in order to enter the kingdom of heaven as God's child. Okay, as we continue on with our background study in the Old Testament in the book of Genesis, and with this distinction between the individual and his descendants, and between authority which comes from a personal call of God on an individual's life, and that which is derived from a lineage or regulated institution, let's take a few moments to begin to look at the man called Melchizedek. Patty, he perfectly illustrates these principles of authority of how God chooses and works through individual men and women. Could you read Genesis chapter 14 verses 17 to 20? This is a short but highly significant account of the meeting between Abraham and Melchizedek, who is the king of Salem. It is the only history we have of Melchizedek in the Old Testament. Before you read it, let me give some brief background so our listeners will understand the setting of this meeting. After Abraham's nephew Lot had separated from him, he went to live in Sodom. Genesis 13.13 13 tells us, But the men of Sodom were exceedingly wicked and sinful against the Lord. When war breaks out between Ketaleoma, king of Elam, and the three kings allied with him, against Bera, king of Sodom, and the four kings allied with him, the king of Sodom and the king of Gomorrah flee the battlefield, allowing Ketaleoma and his troops to seize all the goods and provisions of Sodom and Gomorrah, including taking Lot captive. When Abraham hears about this, he arms 318 of his trained men and successfully attacks the forces of Ketaleoma, rescuing Lot and bringing back all the goods and people that were captured. In the valley known as the King's Valley, near Salem, he first meets the king of Sodom, and then Melchizedek comes out. Genesis chapter 14 verses 17 to 20 reads, And the king of Sodom went out to meet him at the valley of Sheva, that is, the king's valley, after his return from the defeat of Ketaleomer and the kings who were with him. Then Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought out bread and wine, 
He was the priest of God Most High. And he blessed him and said, Blessed be Abram of God Most High, possessor of heaven and earth. And blessed be God Most High, who has delivered your enemies into your hand. And he gave him a tithe of all. And with these verses, Melchizedek appears and disappears from the book of Genesis. In our next program, we will examine this mysterious figure and see his importance to our study of heavenly authority. What an interesting point at which to leave the study. In our next broadcast, Pastor Greg will be continuing this Bible study series. If you appreciate hearing Shir Jeshub on your local station, may I ask you to prayerfully consider supporting the church outreach of Shir Jeshub Christian Tabernacle. All correspondence and donations should be sent to Shir Jeshub Christian Tabernacle, Post Office Box 518, Branford, Connecticut 06405. Again, that's Shir Jeshub Christian Tabernacle, S H E A R hyphen J A S H U B, Christian Tabernacle, Post Office Box 518, Branford, Connecticut 06405 and please include the call letters of your radio station. And if you will be in the Connecticut area, let me invite you to join us for Sunday service. Sheer Jeshub Christian Tabernacle meets every Sunday morning at 10 a.m. in the town of Madison at the Memorial Hall on Meeting House Lane. The exit is number 61 off I-95. Go south to Route 1, turn right, and at the next light, turn right again. The Memorial Hall is the yellow brick and white building and we meet on the upper floor. Please join us for our next broadcast of Shir Jashub, which in Hebrew means, A Remnant Shall Return.